Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 47 of the SmackDown Wind Down slash AW Rampage Late Night Razor. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 134 of WrestleTopia draws to a close. Happy Saturday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AW winds down. And last night was Friday Night SmackDown on Fox going down live from the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And this was a very fun show, and Montreal absolutely positively loved Sami Zayn. He was so over in his hometown and I like the story that WWE is telling regarding Sami Zayn's relationship with the bloodline and how it might play into a future babyface run and consequent tag team reunion with one Kevin Owens. I'll get to that shortly as we kick things off with the baddest woman on the planet, Ronda Rousey coming out and she's still suspended in storyline after attacking a referee at SummerSlam a few weeks ago when he failed to count Liv's shoulders being down over Ronda tapping out beforehand. So she throws a bunch of money on the table prior to Liv Morgan and Shayna Baszler's contract signing for the Women's Championship at clash at the castle so she thought her debt was paid but it was not so Rhonda calls out WWE official Adam Pierce to let the suspension once and for all Adam Pierce comes out and he lets Rhonda know that listen I would love to lift your suspension but that is above my pay grade there's a higher power I answer to in WWE and they will control your suspension status moving forward so she's trespassing and he asks her to leave peacefully Rhonda Rousey says nope I tried that last week I'm gonna choose violence this week so she beats up the security guards locks went on an arm bar and then she is arrested by some runner cops in Montreal but Adam Pierce is not going to press any charges and she was released on her own power towards the end of Smackdown but the fans loved Ronda whooping ass and being defiant in the face of authority and her loss to SummerSlam got her way more over with the people than Liv winning the championship match against Ronda Rousey by hook or crook and it's going to be very interesting to see how fans react once Ronda Rousey and Liv Morgan share the same airspace once again once Ronda's suspension and storyline is lifted once and for all. Next up is a first round matchup of the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship Tournament involving Natalia and Sonya Deville versus Toxic Attractions, Jesse Jane and Gigi Dolan. They filled the void left by Zoe Stark and Akita Lyons who were pulled from the tournament. I believe Zoe has a concussion based on her match against Mandy Rose for the NXT Women's Championship this past Tuesday at NXT Heat Wave and Nikita Lyons, her medical status was in flux and therefore she could not travel to Canada last night and I thought this was a fine match clunky in spots with a horakarana gone wrong courtesy of Gigi Dolan and Sonya Deville they did get things back on track when Jesse Jane got the hot tag and she booted and kneed Sonya before delivering a cannonball on the outside and went after Natalia as well as we go to commercial break we come back and Toxic Attraction is still on offense for a bit and it should be noted that Bailey, Dakota Kai and Neo Sky bought a ticket at ringside to see this match up close and personal and a highlight was Bailey antagonizing Michael Cole, which is very reminiscent of the early days at the Performance Center and ultimately the Thunderdome as well. I miss it very much. And Michael Cole tried to maintain his composure, but Bailey working his last nerve was everything. And I enjoyed that aspect of the match. Eventually, Sonya is able to make the attack to Natalia. She cleans house on Gigi Dolan and Jesse Jane with clotheslines. And at one point, Jesse Jane boots 
Sonya Deville on the outside knocks her out of this match and Natalia is working over Gigi Dolan in the meantime and she locks in a sharpshooter but unbeknownst to Natalia Jesse J made the hot tag and she rose up Natalia for the surprise win as Jesse Jane and Gigi Dolan move on to face the team of Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah next Friday on SmackDown in the semifinals of the Women's Tag Team Championship Tournament the match was fine nothing special but Natty was over in Montreal because that can be considered heart country in some shape or form, even though she reps Calgary at the end of the day. Next up is Maxima Male Models, Monsei and Monsois alongside Maxine and Max Dupree. And I gotta say, Max Dupree is morphing into LA Knight. He's dropped all the exaggerated Dupree's in his promo. But before we can introduce his fashion models, Hit Row comes out to interrupt and Top Dollar and Ashanti the Adonis wipe out Monsei and Monsois, which leads to an impromptu rap cipher involving Hit Row. B-Fab has some bars as well as Top Dollar and Ashanti the Adonis. It's all in good fun it was a nice segment that was different from the norm a highlight was Maxine Dupree vibing to hit row on the main stage and Max pulling her away at the last moment I gotta say from the few appearances I've seen of Maxine Dupree Maxine Dupree is greater than Sophia Cromwell on NXT I love her personality she's got presence and that is going to be key for her moving forward so this main roster promotion has actually done her a world of good because she's projecting a love of charisma that was absent on NXT 2.0 when she was managing Von Wagner a few weeks ago crazily enough as we move on to art on display involving Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn Sami Zayn got his wish he got a one-on-one meeting with Roman Reigns Sammy walks in and Roman is smiling and he's very cordial towards Sammy Zayn. And Sammy proceeds to snitch on Jay Uso, who's been on his ass recently. And he mimics Jay saying, Oos, you ain't doing this, you ain't doing that. You got to pick up your weight around here if you want to be a part of the bloodline. And he tells Roman, I took a bullet for him last week. I took a claymore for Jay. He still doesn't appreciate it. And Roman says, calm down, Sammy. I got you. I feel you. Jay's family, but he can be a hothead sometimes. I understand. We're good here. So Roman gets up for a moment as his phone rings and it's Jay saying he can't cross the border for whatever reason. And he's still very yelly on the phone, even though we can't hear him directly. And then we get to the crux of why Roman Reigns invited Sami Zayn into his office. He says, what about your friendship with Kevin Owens? Have you talked to him lately? And Sami says, we talk from time to time. We're not really close. And he says, I noticed that... Kevin Owens mentioned that I owed him after Monday night. And I just want you to let him know that I owe him nothing. I never owe anyone anything ever. And Sammy receives a message and he says, got it, noted. But in the meantime, I am in line for a shot at the IC title if I win this fatal five-way match tonight. And Roman is very encouraged by that saying, well, if you do win, that's another belt for the bloodline. And I love adding to our collection. And Sammy is very enthusiastic. He leaves the room with the pep in his step. And Roman gives that look like, mm-hmm. I'm reading you, Sammy. The gaslighting is on. Let's go. I loved this segment. I had a ridiculous smile on my face the entire time because Sammy Zayn makes everything better. And Roman Reigns was complete mafioso in this moment. And I just loved it. It was a brilliant segment, which sets the table for so many things down the road, including Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn reuniting as a tag team. My dream scenario from a couple of months ago was Sami and KO 
reuniting his best friends, being over his baby faces, and challenging the Usos for the undisputed WWE Tag Team titles. That would be the dream scenario. I think it's going to happen due to a nice low build in the next few months or so, as KO was one of the few people that had Roman Reigns' number. Technically could have been champion a couple of times if Roman did not get help from the bloodline at the last possible moment. So... I cannot wait to see how all of this plays out in due time. And Sammy is going to be so over as a babyface once he figures shit out. Will it take a beat down for the bloodline for that to happen? I don't know. But this has a potential to be a great story with the rebirth of Sammy Zayn as a lovable sky punk babyface. And I'm here for it. And speaking of Sammy, next up is the fate of five-way match to determine who will face Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship at Clash the Castle in a couple of weeks' time in Cardiff Wells. The challenges were Sammy Zayn, Sheamus, Happy Corbin, Ricochet, and Matt Cat Moss. And this match was awesome. And Sammy Zayn was so over in Montreal. They love him. It's his hometown. It's his home country. And he was beloved by the people. They broke out into a Ole, 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 chant, which was lovely. Michael Cole busted out an El Generico reference out of nowhere, which was great. And an early highlight was the fans booing Ricochet anytime he hit Sami Zayn with a drop kick, a punch here, a clothesline there. They were not here for it. Corbin knocked out Sami Zayn and laid him out on the floor at one point. But when Sami got back on offense, he was over and the fans were living for it. An early highlight for me was Madcap Moss and Sheamus. Big hossing each other, throwing each other against a barricade. And Seamus took a whooping because his leg was bruised up. It was red. It was physical between those two. And I love that. They were throwing hands and they were delivering haymakers in the corner. At one point, Madcap delivers an avalanche fallaway slam to Seamus from the second rope, which was crazy. And I just thought that Madcap was really impressive just going out there, taking a chance by being physical, using his speed when need be to flip Ricochet inside out. But then it was time for Sammy to shine. But first, Seamus delivered 37 clubbing forearms to Matt Cat Moss, Happy Corbin, and Ricochet. It was beautiful. The fans love Seamus. He was a badass. Gotta respect it. He goes after Sami Zayn. Sammy blocks it. And then he's gonna go for a flip dive on Seamus and Happy Corbin that pops this crowd. And he continues to put on a show by going for Haluva kick, but was stopped by Madcap Moss in mid-motion. The crowd boos Madcap because they love Sami Zayn so much. Then Zayn lands the blue thunder bomb on Moss for a near fall. And the crowd is absolutely loving Sami Zayn in this moment. So things take a turn when Sammy is going to go up top of Seamus and Seamus delivers an avalanche white noise to Zane and Zane is favoring his left shoulder and he does have a history of shoulder injuries and we had medical personnel coming out to check on Sammy. He heads backstage as we go to commercial break. We come back and now this is a fatal four-way match for now involving Seamus, Moss, Corbin, and Ricochet and Moss is once again big hossing Seamus around with that aforementioned following slam. From the second rope, Moss runs the ropes really fast but gets dropped with a jumping knee strike by Seamus for a near fall. Moss is going to slam Seamus down on the mat and that leads to Ricochet landing a recoil on Madcap, which knocks him out of the match. Then Ricochet goes up top for a stunning shooting star press on Sheamus, which was broken up by Happy Corbin. And from there, Sami Zayn makes his triumphant babyface comeback, holding his arm, but he's going to be all right. He lands an explosive suplex on Ricochet, and he hits a haluva kick for the win, or so he thinks. Corbin breaks 
things up. The fans are pissed at Happy Corbin at this very moment. So Corbin is going to go for the end of days of Ricochet, but Sheamus is going to blast him with the bro kick to win the match. And Sheamus will face Gunther for the IC title at Clash at the Castle in a couple of weeks' time in Cardiff Wells. Even though I love Sami Zayn, and he put up a great performance. The Mishinoku driver on Ricochet was a great near fall. Pot me and Montreal, but it wasn't meant to be. He has a larger story ahead of him with the bloodline, possibly vying for those tag team titles alongside Kevin Owens. It would be a beautiful day indeed when that happens. Thankfully, he was not pinned in his home country. They were wise enough not to do that. And instead, Corbinate the pin as Sheamus blasted him with that bro kick. And the fans, they love Sheamus too. And we know that Gunther and Sheamus is going to be a fucking battle. It is going to be violent, bruising. It is going to be something to behold. And I am here for it as Sheamus is one championship away from the Grand Slam. He has never won the Intercontinental Championship. That's a crazy stat. It's true. And I expect him to put on a show in Cardiff in a few weeks' time against reigning champion Gunther and quite possibly the match of the night outside of the main event. But as always, we shall see. Next up is SmackDown Women's Champion Liv Morgan versus Shotzi. This match was solid for the time they were given. Crowd was kind of quiet due to the previous matchup of Sammy being over in Montreal. But Liv was not booed, thankfully. She was able to put up a good fight against Shotzi with a drop kick in the corner early on. Shotzi drops Liv with a DDT on the apron as we go to commercial break with Liv on the floor recovering from that spot. We come back and Shotzi delivers a tiger suplex to Liv for a near fall. Goes after the left shoulder. She pokes the bear one too many times as Liv fires up and she lands the Code breaker followed by the oblivion for the win that Shotzi so beautifully. And after the match is over, Shayna Baszler attacks Liv Morgan from behind, goes after that left shoulder that's injured, and she is going to stomp on it. But she says, oh, no, why would I do that if I do that? That means you won't be able to compete at Clash at the Castle. And I want you healthy enough for me to break your arm when it counts most. And she goes to stomp on it. She feigns it and it said boots lift straight in the face and lift as a bruise to show for it. And it was a nice, cold performance by Shayna Baszler to reestablish herself as a badass in the SmackDown Women's Division. Next up is the main event segment involving the undisputed universal champion, Roman Reigns. He comes out alone, no Usos, no Paul Heyman, but Montreal loves Roman Reigns. He tells them to acknowledge him. And Roman says, you know what? I'm not here every week anymore, but I wanted to spell some of the lies being spewed by one Drew McIntyre. When anybody says they're the face of this company and they're not me, they're lying. When they say they're the main event, and they're not me, they're lying. When they say they've carried this company on their back and it's not me, they're lying. And I'm talking directly to Drew McIntyre who said those things about me this past Monday on Raw because I do all those things. I'm the main event, not a main eventer, the main event. I'm the face of this company and I am the guy that carries everything on my back every time I show up. The people know this. My word is bond. So don't you dare try to say otherwise because normally I'm here for this face-to-face confrontation stuff, but you're beneath me. And Drew McIntyre comes out and he's defiant saying, you might be somebody that carries a company in the face and you're the main event, but you're not worthy of being champion. We need somebody here every single week 
with those championships, defending them with honor. And Roman says, you think I don't deserve this? You think I'm unworthy of being champion? And Drew McIntyre says yes. And he's tired of talking about it. They get into a fight. And once again, Sami Zayn saves the day by standing in line for a Claymore kick to spare Roman Reigns. Roman looks on saying, thank you for your sacrifice, Sammy. He goes for the spear, but Drew still Claymore's his ass to wrap up SmackDown a little before the top of the hour. This was a strong way to end the show. Roman Reigns was over. Sami Zayn is beloved, and Drew McIntyre had his moment as well as we build towards the Universal Championship match that clash at the castle in a couple of weeks' time and caught off Wells. Do I foresee a title change? I honestly do not know because I can't imagine Drew going to Cardiff Wells and not winning a championship if WWE opted to go in that direction and Roman you know at this point the reign is great but does he need those titles to be a headliner at Wrestlemania who he's facing outside of possibly the rock if WWE can lock that in in the next few months or so I just can't imagine Drew McIntyre going through another New York coronation in front of a hot crowd and it doesn't happen he did not get that shot at Wrestlemania last year in Tampa Bay against Bobby Lashley which was a little surprising at the time, but Bobby was the man at the moment and there was no denying that. I go back to Drew's original win at WrestleMania 36 a couple of years ago at an empty PC and he felt us in that moment, even though nobody was there. And it was a very somber moment. It was kind of hollow in some ways as well because you beat Brock Lesnar in five minutes and nobody is there to make a sound. It sucked. And his reign was marred by nobody being there. And he did carry the company on his back during a pandemic before Roman came back. I want to clarify that. It was not an easy feat, but he did it. And Roman carried the ball since then. And I just think at some point, you might want to coronate Drew McIntyre in front of a large crowd. And overseas might be the spot. He'll be over where Roman be a bit more popular. It's a possibility. But at some point... You got to coronate this dude properly in front of a crowd that's going to be receptive towards it. And this is their best bet. Will they do it? We'll see. Because I think we need a championship on Monday Night Raw heading to the fall season. You don't want to lock those titles down to a guy, despite his greatness, that's not going to be there on a regular basis. But we'll see how it plays out in Cardiff in a couple of weeks' time on Peacock. And with that, this was a very fun episode of SmackDown. Love the energy in Montreal. Sami Zayn was beloved. I love that for him. And the whole show just flowed. It was an easy, breezy watch. And the Triple H administration is knocking these shows out of the park. All we want is competence and consistency from a booking standpoint. And we've gotten that as of late. It's wonderful what happens when an old man isn't there anymore, tearing up shit every five minutes. Everything is not perfect, but there is stability and there is competence at the top. And that is a bless to make these shows so much better heading into Clash at the Castle in a couple of weeks time. And with that, let's make the smooth transition to AEW Rampage going down taped from the Charleston Coliseum in Charleston, West Virginia. And the show was another episode of Dark Elevation airing on TNT. That's a problem. This time last year, CM Punk returned at a sold out United Center in Chicago, Illinois. The first dance. We knew who it was. It was all about the moment of him showing up to make it real. It was electric. And I look at the show a year later and it is a B show in every sense of the word. And Tony Khan built this as the A show. I can take A minus, not B, not B minus, but here we are. And I'm going to zoom through this review. Claudio Castanoli came out reigning defending Ring of Honor World Champion alongside Pure Champion Rilla Yuta. He issues an open challenge for his championship and Destin Rose come out and he accepts the challenge for next Friday's Rampage. Okay. 
Next up is Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland versus Private Party for the AEW World Tag Team titles. It was a fine match. Private Party, three years ago almost, faced the Young Bucks in a first-round matchup for the inaugural AEW World Tag Team titles, and they beat the Bucks. And it was a great surprise victory, and nearly three years later, they're still stagnant in this tag team division. Beating the Bucks should have led to some upward mobility, and we haven't got that. They've been stuck in the Hardy family office, the Andrade family office. They've been heels and baby faces, dressing wild and miss Mark Quinn and his tales that made him so unique as a performer, and Isaiah Cassidy's talented too. They're stuck in neutral right now. We had some moments here and there, but it was not enough to really justify this tag team title match as we have Isaiah deliver to Nilo to swerve on the outside as we go picture in picture. We come back and Keith Lee is beeling around private party. We got him throwing Isaiah backwards at one point before tossing Mark Quinn around as well and pouncing him very hard into the ring ropes. He makes a high tag to Swerve, who lands a house call on Mark Quinn, followed by the JML driver to retain the AEW World Tag Team titles. And Keith Lee and Swerve show love to Private Party once the match is over, which might signal a babyface turn for Private Party. One can hope because they can be over as a babyface team if given a fair opportunity. But this was basically a dark elevation showcase for two tag teams that are kind of directionless at this point, despite Swerve and Keith Lee being the champions, heading into All Out in a few weeks' time on pay-per-view. Next up was Hook versus Zach Clayton for the FTW Championship, and Hook submitted Zach Clayton with the red rum in about a minute. The end of the story. Angelo Parker wants a piece of Hook next. That could take place next Friday on a Rampage, but we shall see about that. Next up was Buddy Matthews versus Serpentico. Another easy breezy match with Matthews delivering a missile drop kick that sends Serpentico into the turnbuckles. He lands a jumping knee strike followed by formerly known as Murphy's Law for the win. And after the match is over, Miro comes out and proceeds to beat up Buddy Matthews. Nails him with the Mashka kick as Buddy flies out of the ring with Julia Hart looking on. And we'll see how this feud goes heading into All Out. Presumably a six-man tag involving the House of Black versus Sting, Darby Allen, and Miro. It depends if House of Black gets past the Dark Order this upcoming Friday on Rampage. Next up is Athena versus a returning Penelope Ford. And this match was mainly seen in picture in picture and went into a straight commercial break at one point. The exchange between the two was nice early on, but once we came back from break, Athena slams Penelope into the barricade and lands the eclipse on Ford for the win. After the match is over, Kara Hogan and Layla Gray attack Athena from behind. Jay Cargo comes out with a sledgehammer. She licks the head of the sledgehammer and she is going to destroy the wings that Athena wears to the ring. It's not exactly a clean destruction job. She just kind of beats the wings down, but they don't really break apart. As she makes her way down to the ring and Athena's fighting off Kara Hogan and Layla Gray, but she gets hit in the stomach by Jay Cargill, courtesy of that sledgehammer as the TBS champion stands tall and one could presume this will lead to Athena versus Jay Cargill for the TBS championship at All Out in a couple of weeks time in Chicago. And that could be a really good match. I love their interactions in the ring every time they fight and I expect Expect a pretty damn good match and a career-defining performance from Jade if given time in the shy come Labor Day weekend. And now it is time for our main event featuring the Trust Busters, Parker Boudreaux, Ari Davari, and Slim J. 
This match is fine. We got Sunny Kiss at ringside. Parker's going to drop Chuck Taylor and Trimperetta with a double clothesline. He does some running corner splashes back and forth for a bit. Misses run splash, and that allows Best Friends to deliver a triple basement drop kick to Boudreaux in the corner. Slim J takes flight with a corkscrew dive onto Orange Cassidy. Eventually, Best Friends recover, and they wipe out Boudreaux with an orange punch, and they toss his ass over the barricade. Cassidy is going to climb up top to finish Daivari. Sunny Kiss distracts Cassidy, which allows Slim J to hit a reverse DDT off the top rope for a very close near fall. Denhausen comes out to curse Sunny Kiss and Slim J as Trimperetta and Chuck Taylor deliver a double choke slam to Slim J. Orange knocks out Aria Davari with the orange punch. And the finisher is pretty cool with Orange launching off the shoulders of Beretta and Taylor to land a splash on Slim J for the win as the best friends will face the winner of the Dark Order versus Hasselblack match going down next Friday on Rampage. And that will be a semifinals match either on Dynamite and or Rampage during All Out Week. And this was a fine way to end the show. Once again, it's Dark Elevation Light on TNT. It's not must-see TV. It's not appointment television. And the show has got to change heading into the fall season. This isn't sustainable. They had a decent number last week. The leading was pretty good. And the numbers fell throughout the show after Dance's appearance. And you got to make this a must-see show on Friday nights right now. It's very skippable. And it's tempting not to review this show on a regular basis if it does not improve in terms of star power, which you can add to this show. At this rate, if you want Ring of Honor to get some TV time, make this a Ring of Honor show. Why the fuck not at this point? Because right now, we're getting a lot of dark and dark elevation on Friday nights. And that's not a good look. Rampage was supposed to be an A-minus show, and now it's a B show. It's kind of like WWE. You launch superstars on WG in America, and you get Undertaker against Matt Hardy, episode one. And then that star power trickles down to uh-uh, cancellation. Think about main event and I on television. Oh, we got the top stars and then canceled. And it still exists on Peacock. But it's how it goes. If it's not Monday Night Raw, if it's not SmackDown, if it's not Dynamite, it's a B-show. And it's going to be very skippable. And it's going to be just a time slot to fill up space for an hour every Friday night. Contract negotiations to get more money is starting next year. And you don't want things to slip too far where you're trying to play catch up. And all your stars are coming back now and your numbers are still flat. That's got to change. The heat index is very different from where we were a year ago. AEW is kind of ascending, nibbling at key demos for Monday Night Raw. That's not the case anymore. WWE is the hotter brand. They're selling more tickets. They're the conversation. AEW has got to get back to what makes them great, and that is good wrestling, star power, and competent storytelling to book. Those elements right now are scattered, and they got a couple of weeks to get it together heading into All Out, and they've got to build on that momentum heading into the end of the year as well. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 47 of the SmackDown Wind Down slash AEW Rampage, Late Night Rager. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at Wrestletopia. There you can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on this in my daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night SmackDown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do, such Wrestletopia and follow 
follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back Tuesday morning with episode number 135 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. Until then, enjoy your Saturday, Sunday, and your manic Monday. Stay safe out there, and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care. Thank you.